Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Q Commentator. My name's Nick Heath and uh, thank you for joining me for another episode as I speak to another broadcasting voice in sport that is synonymous with so many great moments, particularly, of course, if you are a British athletics and Olympics fan. Uh, Thanks again to all of you who are tuning in regularly. Great to have you coming back. Uh, Let me know if you're enjoying the series. Please do via AccuCommentator on Twitter or at NickHeathSport, or if you are lovely enough to just take the time to leave a review on iTunes. It means an awful lot to me. It also means that other people that are looking through podcasts will see all of your glowing reviews the reasons you're tuning in again and again um, and uh, and perhaps we can welcome more people to the parish so uh, that would be really wonderful if you can take the time um on to this week's guest then uh we need to crack on because if you're looking at your clock counter you're going this is a long one um, the jarrow arrow a decorated sportsman who was not only successful on the track but he's become a bit of a dab hand on the mic as well started at eurosport and channel four um, and, uh, well, as you'll hear, that was a start that was as deep end as uh, off the deep end goes, really. Um, I thought his training had started at the BBC, but you'll hear how all of that uh, came about. Uh, calls himself a child of broadcasting, given the company he was keeping that were clearly voices of a generation. The likes of David Coleman, Jim Rosenthal, etc. Um vocabulary that is used for different races so much detail in this one uh, and uh, an interesting chat about what sport uh, he was asked to have a crack at after 2012 uh, so listen out for that um, it is all here and it is a longer one than usual um, I listened back to it today and to be honest I struggled to take anything out of it um, so you can call that lazy editing or being entirely self-indulgent or a combination of both of those things but either way it's all here for you. Uh, recorded during June 2020 during lockdown, uh, we were a few hundred miles apart, but thanks to Zencaster and a FaceTime call, well, we were at least able to see each other and speak in decent audio quality. There's so much good stuff here. Without further ado, after a good few months, if not years, in the offing, gives me great pleasure to say Q commentator Steve Cram. Hi, Nick. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, not bad at all. Um... In the uh, times we're all uh, going through, I'm very fortunate to live in 
Northumberland, which um, it, it's an odd summer. Normally, I'm not here very much. Uh, I'm not here very much generally, but uh, I'm getting used to... I've, I've lived here 10 years, and I found out more about the place in the last uh, three, four months than uh, in the previous 10 years, but it's great. Good. Um, well, I'm so grateful uh, for you joining us. Um, needless to say, you will be known to most people, obviously, for your career as a world record holding distance runner, a world champion, double European champion, Olympic silver medalist, three-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist, former BBC Sports Personality of the Year winner. Um, but I can say that with full acknowledgement that I know, you know, a lot of these things, having grown up and seen you win some of those titles. But as we well know, sort of time moves on, and and to many people, you'll just be the voice History. of. Yes, that's history. It's ancient history, yes. And and the London Marathon on their TVs. So, I mean, does that sort of sit okay with you or do you feel the need to have, you know, the odd medal in your back pocket just in case? No, you know, it's, uh, I have to tell my kids what I did, you know, it's, um, (laughs) and, and, you know, my daughter's 30 something. Um, Look, you know, we all, we all go through phases in our lives, don't we? And you kind of, uh, people will know you for different parts of that life. Obviously, people go through different jobs and, you know, they they don't always carry what they did 10 years ago into the job they do now. People see you for what they understand and know about you. And that's that's cool. That's good. You know, I mean, inevitably, your sport has a um, an enduring feature to it which is usually as you said if you've grown up watching it it's a bit like music isn't it I always I always liken sport to music you never forget the the music that you grew up with and to be honest what you were talked about you know I I, I was very young but you know the Beatles but my mum and dad played the the Beatles loads and played Elvis Presley and played Jim Reeves and played you know Mm. so so even though I, I can't say oh yeah I grew up with Elvis Presley but so it's all about you know the the uh, I think sport and music are very similar like that you know and there's no reason why I don't there's certain music that happens today I really enjoy and and, and into but yeah. I'm not going to forget what happened a while back so th- there's a lot of that but yes for some people um, that that you know the commentary is is particularly younger folk you know that, that's that's how they know me. Well, it's always a privilege to be in the company of someone who has, you know, achieved what you have and, and the titles that you've gotten. And I tip my hat to you and, and respect the incredible career you've had as an athlete. That goes without saying. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it is time, I, I guess, for, for Q Commentator to draw a thin veil across mm. that, which feels slightly odd. Because um, clearly I'm interested in your work as a commentator after you hung up the, uh, the running shoes in 1994. Um, so where did the journey into broadcasting begin and and were you doing any during your your competitive years well if you have a successful sports career you you hang around the media a lot um and actually I probably did that more than most um obviously Brendan Foster was a was a mentor from an athletic point of view from when I was a kid and Brendan was working for the BBC and um I got to meet and mix a little bit more in his world probably a little more than that I might have done had I just been had I not had that relationship um and actually that then turned into something a little bit more um well actually it actually helped my athletics career because in those days the federations weren't great at um you know once I went to the Olympics and, and I'd been to a couple of championships particularly Moscow in 1980 um, you know, you realize that you train hard for these big events and then you get put in, in an Olympic village or, or, or a, or a you know, world championship village or, or a, mm. you know, and they're not the most conducive places for getting the best performance out. You know, these, these days you, you, you try to, everyone knows about how you're going to maximize your 
your chances of performing at the highest level. So that's what, what you're eating, yeah. how you're sleeping, where you are. And I think people like Seb were very much ahead of the game on that. So I was learning from him. And um, also, you know, I, I realized that often the 1500 was the last event and people were partying. And so BBC, Brent, they used to book nice hotels. Uh, I realized that one side was <laughs> earning um, enough money to become a little bit more independent and make my own decisions, or, or, I, or at least want to spend money on my chances of performing better. Um, yeah. So what I started doing was they often had plans much more advanced than the federations did, and I would book a hotel uh, or book a room in their hotel once I knew because they were often close to the venue. Um, yeah. You know they kind of, they they had plans, and so yeah, you know it cost me money, but uh, that's what I did, and so I started to rub shoulders even more at the major championships from eighty three onwards in in Helsinki uh-huh. when I won the world champs. So I would not be at the stadium every day. You're not as an athlete, but I'd, I'd, I'd meet Brendan and Coleman and Pickering um, in the restaurant afterwards when they've come back from the track and they'd be talking about everything that happened. And inevitably, they're also talking about television, how it works, mm. and producer and the editor and the camera this and this. And it was all nonsense to me at the time. But over the years, I kind of got a level of understanding that I think was way above perhaps what, a normal sports person would have. So it's a long answer to your question, but I think it's important to say that I was kind of entrenched in that world um, a a fair bit. And so the next stage of that, coming towards the end of your career, um, again, Brendan by then had a a company that were, uh, had a, 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 it was now called Film Nova, um, and they had a a TV production um, element. And they... Uh, I'm just checking you'll still hear me because you've gone paused. I'm Sorry, I technology. am. Yes. yes, you are. I'm just um, trying to stop my stop my WhatsApps from buzzing through my phone. That's but, uh, right. Yes, carry on. Te- technology getting in the way. Um, yeah, I'm just dealing with a cat who keeps walking across here. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so uh, film Nova gave me the chance to just do a little bit. You know, uh, they had a, they they managed to film a few things, athletic stuff, and I wasn't going to run in a couple of them, so I ended up doing a bit of punditry if you like and so so that was my first step and then but the the key thing was actually more by accident um a guy who had been the head of sport bbc a guy called alan hart had become the uh i think he was chairman of eurosport anyway very high up in eurosport at the time and eurosport was a bit new then 1994 1995 Mm -hmm. i was i was at the aforementioned bbc personality of the year we were having a a drink we were chatting he's going what are you doing I, I sort of said I think I've retired but I'm not sure because um, <laughs> I never actually announced it but deep down I knew he said what are you what are you thinking of doing I said no idea da, 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 da. and he out of the blue he just said do you fancy doing a bit of commentating and I went no I've no you know I've done a bit of tv and punch because that's not what you think is it you think I'm going to go I'm happy to go in a studio and talk about athletic but commentary is a job mm. you know that's what it, it, it's a specific skill. Yeah, and so you recognise the difference between the, the ab- punditry side and the commentary side. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I have As to, Steve I, removes a cat. I remove a cat, yes. Um, <laughs> so, and it was almost by accident, and I, I won't bore you with the details, but it, it, was, it, it happened at about the same time I'd been talking to somebody else um, who gave me 
what turned out to be a great piece of advice, although I didn't appreciate it at the time, which is often the case with things, isn't it? And mm. this person did work in the world of broadcasting. I'm, I'm not going to say who it was, but said, look, if you ever feel as though, think, and, and he said, use the analogy of your running career. Don't think that you need to go in, you know, you don't go diving into the Olympic Games and, and do well, you know. Yeah. You actually have a, he says, your running career was about learning your a, a local level and building up and, and getting good at that. And then you advance to the next level. And, and, uh, and he said, and actually, you know, in your running career as well, you did it for the love of it. And then eventually it became your living. And that bit of advice was ring because <laughs> uh, Alan said, we don't pay very well, but it's live sport and you learn a lot. And yeah. I also thought, yeah, you're a sport, you know, that it, it's, uh, it, there were British, there was certainly going to be British viewers, but it wasn't BBC. It wasn't going to be millions of people watching it. Mm. So yeah, I, I, I jumped, jumped in at the deep end. Uh, so that was in the December and I, I did my first commentary, which was a disaster, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what was that? In May, it was in France. It was in Paris. Um, it was in a small stadium because they were building the new stadium for the World Cup in 98. So it was a very right. same area, Saint-Denis, North Paris, uh, uh, the Paris sort of you know, Grand Prix athletics. Um, yeah. And I, and this was slightly So what odd. year are we talking now? We're, We're talking, talking 95. 90, yeah. 95, yeah. And I uh, was working, thankfully, one of the reasons I said yes to doing it was I, was, I knew I was going to work with Tim Hutchings. Tim was a good mate of mine. Uh, good athlete as well, uh, fourth in the Olympics and uh, silver medalist world cross country or top level athlete, but yep. had had three years of working already. And uh-huh. I thought, well, okay, I've you know I've got a friend. <laughs> um, and for the first event, we prepped. That's the other thing, by the way, in athletics. See, football. If you're, if you're a footballer and you you move into football commentary, they're playing football, right? Yeah. I'm a fifteen hundred meter runner. I don't do the pole vault. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's athletics, uh, but it, but you know, so I realized I was going to have to do a little bit more homework than, than, than perhaps, uh, I realized. At what point did you realize this? Uh, about two days before, um, Excellent. <laughs> you kind of go, well, you get the start list, you know, and you kind of, well, I know him and I know him, but who's that, you know, because yeah. in all those events, you know, you've got 11, 12 competitors and you know, there's going to be four or five of them who this could be their first Grand Prix meeting. They could be on the way up. You don't know, you know, they've, they've, their best is only five meters 54. And, you know, they've once yep. competed in the French championships and now they get, you know, you, so you suddenly have to go, right, I need, who is this? So this is pre-internet. Yeah. So you couldn't mm. just Google somebody. So I realized, uh, I mean, Tim had given me a, bit, a few tips about the, there's a lot of stat, statisticians in our sport. There are publications, there are, so, I realized that very early on that this wasn't just about turning up and starting to talk. You know, you have to prep and you have to, that didn't stop it being disastrous though, because um, <laughs> Tim's advice was, look, when we go on air, I'll, I'll don't worry about all the buttons and things. I'll just, you know, I'll take you guys going to be talking in your ears. Um, you know, that's the big thing. You don't realize it's live. You just need to make sure that we have ad breaks They'll count us into an ad break. You know, you must stop talking. But but he said, I'll do all of that. Just I'll, I'll shut you up before we get you all of this sort of thing. I go, okay, okay. So anyway, um, we're due on at eight o'clock. We've prepped. It's chucking it down with rain. I mean, I'll never forget this. It was deluge of rain. And I'm telling this, this story because it's pertinent to the rest of my career. It's no, I like chucking it. it down with rain. Um, due on at eight o'clock. The French Open was on Eurosport 
the program was meant to be the program before us, uh, Roland Garros just up the road. And um, so there's not much happening in the rain, rain there either. Rain had stopped play. Rain had stopped play. So they're showing some replays on your sport. So when you do, when you work in broadcasting, you have to be ready for anything. We didn't have a thing, what's called return feed. So we never do on Eurosport. That's money. You know, <laughs> always, yeah. always depends who you're working for in broadcasting. So it I didn't, does, yeah. I, we had no idea what was going out on air or we were just waiting for the queue at eight o'clock. At about quarter to eight, Tim decides, right, we're ready. We're all prepped. We're all good. Um, I'm going to head off to the loo. I'll not be long. Do you want to bring you a sandwich back anything? I went, yeah, sure. So off he goes, and I'm sitting there, and I'm I'm, I'm looking at this pole vaulter I've never heard of. I'm you know I'm looking at my prep sheets and trying to work. And I, on the track at the time, there was a women's five thousand happening, which was kind of a wasn't in the main program, but it was it had a few decent athletes in, like one or two, mm. but it was like a lower level race before the main television program was meant to start. Mm. However, the pictures were being beamed back at Eurosport headquarters, so some wag. So I'd still to this day would like to find out who it was at Eurosport. <laughs> thought they were in a commercial break. Thought, you know what? We've got nothing, no more tennis to show. Uh, we've done all our replays. It's we can go early to the athletics because look, oh, wonderful! Because look, there's, a, there's there's live athletics on on the feed. Uh, so I literally have a guy two rows along who was the German Eurosport commentator run over. Says Steve, put put your cans on, put your cans on. So I put these headphones on, and all I heard was a. Uh, hello, Athletics uh, Saint-Denis. Uh, we will be live in 10, 9, 8. And I'm, oh, wow. I'm going, I'm looking at my German friend who has to go and commentate in his own position to, to, you know, and, he's, and he <laughs> ran over and he pressed a button for me, make my mic go live, ran back to his position. So my first commentary words, and you will think I'm joking, I said, uh, uh, hello, um, I'm Steve Cram. <laughs> Tim Hutchings is meant to be here, but he's he's gone to the bathroom. He won't be long. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Um, That's spectacular. Now, bear in mind, I had not prepped this 5,000 at all. I didn't even have a proper start list or anything. The only girl I knew in it was a girl called Katrina McKinnon of, of Ireland, who was in about fifth place. So I spent the next four minutes talking about Katrina McKinnon, who actually wasn't even, of course on, you did. wasn't even on the camera. What made it even better was Tim came back with a uh you, how long have you got by you've got an hour haven't you this is the end of the story tim came back with two <laughs> cups of coffee and two uh sandwiches in his arms like this and i didn't know how to turn my mic off i didn't know how to uh your know, cough button or or, or yeah. talk back or anything so i wrote on a piece of paper we are on air okay and we had those mics that are attached so it's not a lip mic it's Proper a headset, mic, headset yeah. and it picks up peripheral sound and Tim very loudly, and I won't use oh. the f bomb, but literally said, "You know, words to the effect you must be, you effing, must joking. be effing joking," which went out on air. Um, Brilliant, yeah. And so that was the start of my commentary. So I figured um, that would be it. That was my one and only. But but uh, I must have done something, or, okay. or at least that it couldn't get any worse, perhaps. Well, it it actually encapsulated a lot of things. One is be ready for anything. Two, mm-hmm. uh, if someone can drop you in the mucky stuff, they will drop you in the mucky stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, three, never rely on your core commentator. You know, kind of, kind of. You know, and and by the way, live mics are live mics. You know, there's yeah. So actually, in in five minutes, um, there was a lot of hard <laughs> lessons. A lot of hard lessons learned. How did Crash Course Day One go, Steve? Yeah, yes. not bad, thanks. <laughs> but they they were great. 
great uh, experiences, and that two years. Uh, it, it might so be that was two years more. with Eurosport. Well, yes, I, I, I actually nearly three years, I think, um, because I had a year ninety five, and and I learned so much, and it was great working with Tim, and we travelled around uh, doing meets and world champs in ninety five. Jonathan Edwards breaking the world record, and you know, it was a good year. And then mm-hmm. uh, ninety six. So then the BBC were getting a bit more interested, and I started doing a little bit of work for Five Live, but I was still doing television commentary for. Eurosport. So at the Olympics, for instance, in Atlanta, I was commentating with athletics, but I was also doing some presenting and, and some a few five live programs. Um, I covered the fencing one day and I covered the beach volleyball. Great. Um, Excellent. I know. Um, so I was learning. You know, I was learning the ropes of, of that side yeah. of things as well. And then um, the rights moved to Channel 4 for domestic athletics. And Channel, mm. Channel 4 in 97 came and said, would you come and commentate? So I commentated then for Channel 4. So that was my first kind of national level, you know, kind of Eurosport is yeah. pan-European. And, um, and, you were st- and you were lead commentating from I was from, lead from commentating that- with, with a guy. There was a production company got the gig to uh, um, Global, uh, nice guys. Uh, uh, Nick Fellows, you might know Nick does a lot of, still does a lot of commentary on skiing and all the rest of it. And Nick, yeah. it was his company with another guy, uh, and he decided he'd like to commentate because I thought I thought at first we we're going to bring Tim and I over, and then the mm. end it was just me, and I had to commentate with Nick, um, who had never done athletics. And you know what? The, t- to be fair, the Channel Four lads or to that production company, um, and uh, Mike Miller, who later became head of Sport BBC, was the commissioning editor, and we we introduced a lot of things in that two years: uh, split screens, biogs on screen. Uh, what we used to call the flying washing machine, which you've now become used to, you know, like the camera on a rail uh, down the yeah, whole okay. straight. Uh, lots of things. And I kept bumming into Bren and others at the BBC and they kept going, no, oh, it's awful. It's horrible. It's you. And funny enough, five years later, yeah, okay. all of those things were the norm. But the BBC were watching all the time and I, I got uh, into discussions with them. Um, and... Uh, they and Coleman and others were just basically kept saying, "You're doing a great job." Keep um, uh, the head of sport at the time, uh, Brian Barwick, said, uh, "You know, keep doing what you're doing. We'll be coming for you soon." Sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. It's funny because then the sort of period before you get to the BBC actually was that's where I learned was, it. Yeah. Was where you were doing it, and and I think in my head, perhaps you know, incorrectly, I I thought you thought I was trained by the it. BBC, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, they've got various people under their wing over the years, whether it's Ian Robertson, you know, Sue Barker, Steve Backley, all these sort of people, Jonathan Edwards, Gary Lineker, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the sort of way that these people have, have gone on to have successful careers. But I think it, it, uh, going back to what I was telling you before, though, that, that, that they did in a way, because that whole introduction to some of their top people, Martin Hopkins and John Shrewsbury, and you know, these guys were legends of what they did in, in the production. Um, mm. I knew all those people. I knew the head of sport. I knew I had a manager as well uh, through Bren. Um, you know, he his uh, I was the only kind of I, I shouldn't say this live sportsman. No, I wasn't. I think Bill. So in in our stable was uh, mm. Martin Tyler, Alan Parry, John Motson, um, Bill Beaumont, Brendan. Um, I'm missing a few. Uh, Des Lynham. Uh, so okay. You can imagine Very nice company to be keeping. Right, exactly. So I I almost feel as though I'm a child of broadcasting. 
um, that, you know, my, my, my athletics career was athletics, but I was surrounded by people who worked in broadcasting, people in front of the camera, and I knew people behind the camera, Jim Rosenthal as well, who we yeah. just chatting to the other day. Rosie was in the same stable as well. So we were all socially, we met a lot. Yeah, they had a language I didn't necessarily understand, but I learned uh, you know, a lot. So, yeah. so while you say I wasn't trained by the BBC, uh, Eurosport those those two three years or three four years of Eurosport and Channel Four was was being dropped in at the deep end. But I but I actually had a an understanding of that world that was probably mm. greater than had I just stepped off the track and and somebody said, "Look, you, you, do you want to um, work in broadcasting?" Yeah, and and you said that you know you'd initially sort of said no. So in a way, you know, you sort of hinted towards it. But what changed, and and in you know more perhaps more specifically, why did commentating appeal then for, from it having been a no to go on then? Well, I think the initial appeal was that it 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 kept me very much directly involved in in the thing I was just giving up, which is always hard and difficult. Um, so mm. by being a commentator, you know, Tim and I were going to the meets. We were hanging around with the athletes in the athletes' hotel because uh, I was chatting, and you know, and they saw us. Both Tim and I were. You know, Tim was retired two, three years before me, so we were recently retired. We knew and we knew everybody, so yeah. we were being given stuff they probably wouldn't normally give. And actually, I quite enjoyed that. And I, but I, but but so there was that element. I was maintaining. Uh, I wasn't having to make difficult choices about giving up that what had been a massive part of my life. I just shifted into a slightly different mode. But mm. the other aspect of it was I realized that certainly in those days I was getting nervous and particularly distance races. And, and I was, you know, it's what I loved. And, you know, the, there's a, you realize that commentary in sport, you know, you go with the flow of what's happening, you know, it's kind of, um, and I realized, you know, the hundred meters, I talked faster and because you have to, you know, because you got to get, yeah. um, and then the 1500s and I loved the tactics and I was really enjoying being part of the event as it happened rather than talking about it afterwards and trying to analyze it. If that's, yeah, okay. I don't mind the analyzing. I, I, I enjoy that as well, but actually analyzing while it's happening, particularly distance races and the, the, the difficult thing in the early days was, um, and again, lots of help from experienced people from Coleman downwards, was not to keep referring to my career and what I would have done and what I, right. you know, I, I tried really hard. I'm not saying that I always managed to pull it off, but particularly in those early days, that was the most difficult thing, not to keep referring to, um, you know, this is what I did. This is what I would have done. Yeah. Um, this is what I, you know, this is my experience. So therefore his or hers should be the same. So, um, I and, and how did you find then the sort of, <clears throat> as, as you were trying to find your own style and you've got someone of the, the behemoth of broadcasting legend, like David Coleman, mm. you know, o over your shoulder, um, he retired in 2000. So there was obviously a, a bit of crossover while you were, you were in the commentary box, mm. whether it was at Eurosport or, you know, or, or once you'd started with the BBC. So what did you what did you think of yourself in those early years? Um, how, how easy was it to find your voice? Well, it was it was more tricky when I moved to the BBC, not not to find my voice, as it were. Um, it was that you know, there's a there was a hierarchy there, 
and there, there, and and there was a lot of people who'd been doing what they were doing very well for a very long time, and mm. this young upstart, was, it, despite the fact I knew all of them and, and was on you know knew them all very very well, um, it, Tim and I, you know that was just us uh, you know kind of going with the flow sort of thing, and and um, whereas this was different, and uh, so was I looked a bit I, more shirt and tie. It, it wasn't quite shirt and tie, but it was, you know, remember I said to you, Tim came in with the coffees that, you know, there's no drinks allowed. There's no this, there's no that. There's no, yeah. It's lip mics. It's, and they, they had a discipline that they'd been working to for a long, long time. And I found some of it, oh, what's the word? I almost said juvenile. Um, hmm. Having had a lot of independence to begin with, I then moved yeah. into a, a slightly more regimented environment and I found okay. that a bit restrictive. And so uh, and I'll give an example. In the summer of 1999, so that was my first World Championships commentator for the BBC. And there was still Coleman and, and Stuart Story and Paul Dickinson and Brendan. You know, and the team was quite large. And mm-hmm. I found that their way, of oper- their way of operating with the commentators was they would let you know. I- I'd get a sheet under my door kind of the night before a, you know, a big final or whatever, and suddenly go, yeah. or, or you know, I'd get the the we call them the allocations, get the allocations either the night before or the morning of. Now I realized I didn't know why. And what would those allocations be? Well, that's mean? about which races you're going to commentate. Yeah. Which, right. which, because there's, there's, there was at that point, there was still Coleman and me and, and Stuart. And so who's going to be the lead commentator on which races? Yeah. Mm. And I asked, I said, why, 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 why so late? Why can't we be told? a bit more in advance because otherwise I'm prepping a race. I'm prepping some races that I'm not going to commentate on and other races. Yeah. If I know I'm doing it, I can do more homework. And the comment came back because they always row about who's doing what. So it's better to not tell them until the last minute. And I'm thinking, wow, well, that is a, that's what broadcasting. There's a lot of that in broadcast. There's egos and there's, you know, um, yeah. there's competition. It's competitive. And I don't think I'd understood that. And, but I have seen it a lot. It, it, you know, it, it, and Tim and I didn't have it in our early years at all. But as we've both grown, and occasionally we go back together and work together. And we still yeah. sometimes, when we're doing the Diamond Leagues these days, we still sometimes have a bit that we try and look at the season as a whole and kind of go, but, you know, there are certain meets where you go, I really want to do the men's 100 tonight. You know, I, re- I want to be yeah. the lead on that. And Tim's like, oh, well, you did it last week. You know, So there's always a, but, yeah. but we always come to an agreement. But that one was... And and I, I like to think that I changed some things quite early that I just felt were, but that was difficult to do. I found that difficult to speak up in that environment where you had all of these people who'd been doing it for a long, long time and indeed defending or or asking for some things that were new, you know, and, and to start to say, look, why can't we do that? And what have you thought about that? And sometimes you'd get a, yeah. a raised eyebrow and, and, you know, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, what were some of the hardest battles you had to fight? I don't think I ever fought anything. Um, I think it was about, um, yeah, it was it was a it, it was partly about that idea that um, you know we could cover events a little bit differently, um, and also that um, you know having enough time to kind of and it's 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 probably gone a little bit in the wrong direction. And uh, I've been doing it so long now, it's hard to remember some stuff, but. <laughs> You know, you, you need you need to build up, um, and even for a commentator, you know, to be you, you need a little bit of time to get to build up into an event. You're the one who's going to commentate it, 
And, you know, particularly big championships and things, we've got studios and we've got studio guests and all the rest of it, and they've got things they want to say. But mm. <clears throat> if they hand to you at a point where, because, you know, particularly, let's say it's a distance race, for instance, you know, and I, I want to make a point about, because I know in the race X or Y might happen, and you want to yeah. highlight it beforehand or at least set it up. If he does that, yeah. he might do that. If she does this, she, she's going to have to do that, you know. And so... It, I was, you're trying to, and athletics is so difficult because, you know, we're jumping from one thing to the next to the next, and we're trying to make it look good for the for the viewer. You're trying to give some of that background information, and you and you're trying to cover the thing live as it happens, and you don't know what's going to happen. Of course, you don't, and you're going to go live to the long jump, and then the guy knows jumps, and you're like, oh, that was a waste of time, and you're and yeah. you're. That happens. So you've got to, and that's why you know we have good editors and and, and people making those decisions. So I. The hardest thing was, um, and I've just realized what it was now, we weren't being asked, commentators, and I'm not sure that, I think it was because of force happened. In the Channel 4 thing, I went to the production meetings with the, it was a small team, and I was part of the production team as the lead commentator, and have these discussions and say, you know, we really need to watch, that that race there is going to be, and we need to, and we'd have those discussions in the in the week leading up to the event, a couple of and uh, you know, I'd be and London. also you're then able to, as, as you yeah. discussed before, whether it's you know biogs on screen or different things, yeah. you've got a team that know where you yeah. might be wanting to go with a particular story. So when I turned up the BBC and I asked when the production meeting was, they just laughed at me, and I literally right. was told, "What on earth do you want to come to a production meeting for?" Not because they didn't want me to be there, but that the the, the other guys who for years had been there for you know I don't know how many years had obviously decided. Ah, production meetings, you know, I, I don't need to be at that. Whereas I felt yeah. as though I, I wanted to and wanted to be more part of that. So that that was one of the That's really interesting. Changes, if you like, that it was about look, yeah. I, I want to be more involved. I, I at least want to understand. It goes back to that very first night at Eurosport. If if something bad's coming down the tunnel, I prefer to know before you know that, that it's already that it's yeah. coming down the tunnel. before it hits me so and actually being part of a production meeting so you 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 at least go into a program knowing this is what we're trying to do this is where we're going this is where it's heading and all the rest of it rather Mm. than just turn up and you go oh there's the running order oh i didn't know we were going to do that sort of thing so yes um and and the world's very different now you know and the world of broadcasting is very different but that but back then there were big teams and people had set roles and and didn't necessarily cut across each other and I guess there's got to be that that slight sense. I mean, you can tell me, but you know, you've been top of your game in an athletics field. You've 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 won multiple titles. You've done your interviews. You've been top dog, and and then although you know you're going into a new environment and you're you're gonna have to acknowledge that you're not top dog, it it must still be difficult if you've got ideas on how to progress things and improve things on your terms that maybe aren't being received terribly well. Uh, possibly, yes. I th- I think. I think it was more because going back to that those early experiences, you realise that that as a commentator, you're you're the last bit of of a of a big puzzle that's being pulled together. You know, kind of a, a live puzzle, if you like, with all these different yeah. component parts from the cameraman to the soundman to the the director, the, you know, the, your your program editor, your co-commentator. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of things that that each bit of it, if it falls down, the whole thing falls down. So you all yeah. you're all in it together, and um, I wanted to know more 
you know, I wanted to understand a little bit more about why is why is the guy in my ear saying shut up? We're going to the we're going to you know whatever. I, yeah. I want to know why that's happening. I want to know. Yeah. I want to understand. I mean, it, it, it sounds a bit. Is hidden, that is it? that you as a person in life yeah, generally? I think so. I think I think I'm very happy to ignore all sorts of things I don't need to know. It frustrates the hell out of Alison. She'll go, oh, la, la, I don't do social media and that sort of stuff. So Alison will go, yeah. all right. And I go, mm-hmm. And she go, are you not interested? I go, no, actually, because tomorrow yeah. it won't be part of my life or next year or five years from now. <laughs> but other things I get into in such a way, particularly if it's something I'm, I'm going to be, and, and I, I want to, you know, we have an events company and, the, and the, our team gets so frustrated. I will be putting the bins out. You know, I do, I try to do every bit of our event delivery yeah. and understand and and yes sometimes end up my head exploding because I, you know you, you, but i hope i'm reasonable at delegating but i do want yeah. to know what everybody's job is and what they're doing and how they should be doing that um so that it all comes together yeah yeah and i think no, well that makes sense yeah so even on eurosport i remember once we were on air at the european indoor champs and I was getting, I talked about return feed and satellites and we were using, yeah. um, we were using phone lines for commentary and the guy in the studio, uh, some young person back in um, Paris, we, we worked through the Paris studios and I get beamed down around Europe, uh, kept telling us to not to commentate off the live action and to commentate off the picture. And I said, there was mm. a, de- I go, no, there's a delay. You know, you, you will get, you will get, you will, the commentary, anyway. So we ended, I, I ended up, I'm never forgetting getting Tim to ring his wife. We had mobile phones, we're all new, uh, while yeah. we were live on air. And I was doing some queuing things, you know, saying a certain word, <laughs> a certain thing was happening for her to tell us that it was wow. synced. And I then was back on the talk back at Paris, go, you are wrong. We're going to commentate off the, you know, so it's. Wow. So you're but, actually checking the, the satellite feed. and Yeah. yeah but that, that, that's, uh, how should I put it? That's, it helps, you know. I think it yeah. does help. I think it does help. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you know the 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 full yeah the full system. Um, I'm I'm going to sort of bring you back to a question that I think you were you were going towards, and then you know, fascinating to get the other bits and pieces. How did how do you think you sounded when you first started? Uh, my voice has changed. Uh, so it, it, it was. I realised that the, you know, as I got more excited, I was you, know, you, you inevitably a bit more high pitched. Um, yeah. I th- I think. Yeah, I you know I, I I didn't really think about how my voice sounded. I figured that um, <laughs> you come out of an objective world where you come first, second, third, and you you know where you are, right? You you've, yeah. there's the result, and I need to get better and whatever. And one of my early experiences, again, come out, and this was more to BBC. Um, I I was getting more and you know and doing more, so more people were hearing me. I was on the BBC. And thankfully, we didn't have social media, so I wasn't reading if anyone was going, oh, he's crap him or, you know, whatever. Um, mm. So I was waiting for that, you know, right. And I'd had lots of good tips from Coleman and, and others. But I, I realized at the end of every program, you know, they were coming, hey, brilliant, well done, mate. It was all good. Yeah, well done. You know, it was brilliant. Oh, you're great. You know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd had one program and... Um, it was in Manchester again. It's funny how you remember these things. And um, we're standing at the scanners and this, yeah, you were great, you were great. And I knew I hadn't been. I thought I hadn't been. Yeah. And I stopped this individual and I said, look, that's all very nice of you, but I respect you. You've been doing this for a long, long, long time. 
Mm. And if I'm going to get better at this, I need you to stop telling me every time I come off air, you're brilliant. And he said, oh, well, you know, we like to keep everyone's confidence high. I goes, I understand that, but I've come from mm. a world where, you know, we get better by learning from yes. what we're not doing right. And I said, yeah. I, I am not going to collapse my ego. You know, I'm, I am, I have a level of confidence that I'm, I'm not, and, and it is true, mind you, broadcasting, if you lose your confidence, it can be, it can be tricky, but. Um, but it's also, his, you know, we've we've heard it from lots of our guests on the series, and and I, I I I'm sat in front of my laptop here, and as you started speaking, then I double clicked on the word feedback right in front of me because I knew exactly where you were going with it, yeah. and and also it it becomes ever more relevant, I think, to ex athletes because they've come from an environment where, as you say, you're being given feedback, you're being told where to improve, you mm-hmm. know that you're not the finished article because if you were, you know, the world would end, um, and so you're constantly able to pick things up or yeah. be, be reminded or told things that, that you could improve on. And, and coming from an athletics background, you were clearly used to that. And so actually none of that, having realized that this is, this is a path that, that you're, you're going up. Mm. Yeah. Unsurprisingly is something that, that you wanted to get more of. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's only so much, but, but what you realize as well is that, that in athletics, or in an objective world, if you do come first, it's, there's no argument. You know, that's it. Mm. You can't, you can't, oh, I thought, yeah. you were, I thought you were second. No, 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 you were first. The trouble is you, you can do something very well and, it all, and then somebody's still not going to like it. You know, people, yes, watch, people watch the news. I mean, I've done it myself. You sit and watch the news and go, look, that bloody tie he's wearing tonight, you know, and, you, and he's talking about some <laughs> terrorist thing. And, you know, it, it's, that, that's yeah. how we, we absorb the media in different ways and we and we all so yeah. you asked about a voice you will like somebody's voice much better than you like somebody else's i think yeah. what i had to learn was um particularly at championships you know we 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 do a lot of hours um morning sessions evening sessions sometimes mm-hmm. four or five we sometimes can be content for 10 hours a day um at a major championships not constantly yeah. commentating but you're in a stadium. You're in, out. <clears throat> you're in a stadium with 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people. It's loud. You know, you're fighting the PA, you're fight, you know, the, the atmosphere. So you have yeah. to, in the same way that uh, I've never done any voice training, but I've had to learn to coax my voice through 10 days of an Olympic athletics program or, or whatever it might be. Um, yeah, well, someone like Bob Ballard would tell us that if he's, he's doing an Olympics and several days events in the pool, yeah. while someone wants to go out for a couple of beers after night number one, he would be yeah. safely tucked up because he knows his voice yeah. is his instrument that's got to last. Yeah, you got to pace yourself. So I think that that that's so there are there there are, there are lots of things I've learned to do with the, that that the sort of technique of using your voice, as it were. But I've never worried about. I've never got too stressed about. You know, what do I I sound how I sound, you know, and it has changed. Mm. I know it's changed and all of our voices change over, over a period of time. I could never sing, thank goodness. But I think one of the things that has happened is that I know um, just in my general daily voice, it's I can't that I've, I've actually probably strained enough that if I if I was if I was asked to try and do a soprano impersonation, it would be I couldn't. I'm not sure I, yeah. ever, I ever could, but you know what I mean? So I think yeah, um, we, we won't be rushing into that. No, no, no. Uh, you've, you've obviously never heard me sing. Thank, well, no, it's, it's probably a good job. Uh, no, so I, I think all of those things were were. I, I, it, I, I, you know, there's a you 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 talked about right at the very beginning about training and things. You know, there's 
know, there are techniques to all of this. And some of the things that you pick, I picked up by, you know, just doing it, a lot of things just by doing it. And you develop your own way and you develop your own style. There were some great tips early on. Just, you know, Coleman once said to me, well, no, he said lots to me um, in, the, in both just before I started commentary, when I started, and then particularly when I joined the BBC. And things mm. like, you know, um, you know, don't guess if you don't know. We have a lot of, you know, like, very t- thousandth of a second difference it's not my job to tell you who's won it sort of is but uh, uh, but if if i don't know i don't know you know if it's that mm. close now watching athletics for a thousand years you get a bit of a feeling for you know who's just in front of who and and, and you've got to go with your your the excitement of you know, he did it, she did it, or maybe did he not? You know, so I had to learn a little bit of because there's nothing wrong with a little bit of wow, you know, we, 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 what happened? You know, kind of, yeah, what is the result? Because there's nothing wrong with that either. Because I, because I used to think, oh, my job is to go. He won, she was second. You know, he, and it's not actually. And I used yeah. to, I used to pride myself, a hundred meter race. I'm going first, second, third, fourth. You know, like like a snapshot straight away and telling you what it was. Well, the results going to come up. I mean, the results didn't come up quite as quick in those days, but it's going to be up there in 10 seconds um, yeah. anyway. So I, I, I worry less about that these days than I used to. Um, yeah. I'm more interested in, in, you know, the reaction to what's happened and, and following that through uh, rather yeah. than necessarily being, I mean, obviously if someone's close to a record, you, you, you quickly look at the time and all the rest of it. But so it's actually more about that than, I think in the early days I was who's first, who's second, who's third sort of thing. Yeah. That is important. It's incredibly important, but, but you shouldn't let that detract from, um, you, you know, so I would stress about, Oh, I don't know. I think it's him. I think it's him. I mean, there was a very good example. Uh, um, I got to the point, I had some really close finishes early on in my career. Um, but one of them a little bit later was Kelly Holmes when she won the Olympics uh, by uh, literally that 2000 of a second. Um, and I'm, that was when I kind of lost my little bit of, because Kelly didn't know. And by then I did know. I sort of called it as she crossed the line anyway that she'd won. Yeah. And then it comes up on your computer, on your CIS, before it comes up on the screen on the, in the stadium. And I'm yeah. shouting like an idiot. I mean, she's, she's 40 yards down on the track. She can't hear me. And I'm shouting, you've won yeah. it, Kelly. You've won it. You know, I keep, I, that was one of the times I forgot. I was so wrapped up in that moment, but that, that also gives you some. So, but, good lines. But, in a, but in a way, that, you know, those of us that are, that are an audience hearing yeah. it, that that that's almost what yeah. we as viewers are screaming at our TVs, isn't yeah. it? So, in a way, there are there are definitely, and and that's come up a few times. There are those moments when when a commentator says the sort of thing that that you're thinking, and yeah. and it's validation for for sharing the moment, I guess. It is. And, uh, you know, again, BBC, we're, we're very good at teaching me not to get too jingoistic and all the rest of it. You know, that's important. You know, we're commentating on a world sport and, and great athletes from around the world. And it's not it's not the Brits v the rest. But but yeah, our audience is is you sitting at home in, in, in you know, uh, in Hexham in Northumberland or in or in Cornwall or whatever, you know, and it's yeah. it, 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 so we are. You, you do a fair commentary that 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 isn't too good, but but when something good happens, goodness me, let yourself go. That's that's how, how I used to yeah. feel. There's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, and hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And, and talking then of of the sort of discipline of it, I mean, certainly the track events more so than the field bits. But sp- speaking to John Hunt, obviously on on the racing, and, and he does bits of, of swimming as well. And, and Mike Costello, there's what I call this linear element to it. You know, there's a start and an end point, and these things will vary in length. Obviously, doing a hundred meters with with uh, with Usain Bolt is going to be very different to, to calling a ten thousand meter race, and also one that the cameras are going to come to and from in that sense. So uh, just tell me a bit about how you kind of approach those uh, knowing that you've got to get the tone right. There's Mm. either a long way to go or you're only really going to be saying two sentences or three sentences over the course of about nine seconds. Yeah. Well, if you took, if you took, um, uh, there there was a girl from Madagascar called Ramalala Narina who was well very, remembered. very good 60-meter hurdler run in the uh, in the 90s and into the 2000s. So I was content on her a fair bit. And on the indoor season, that race takes like seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I can see where this is going. And she would often – and and if you say Ramalala Narina once, that's half your commentary <laughs> gone, right? <laughs> <laughs> Coleman used to refer to her as the little Madagascan for a long time. But, yes, um, <laughs> you know, the, the – the, the, <laughs> Um, <clears throat> that was another thing I learned from Coleman. You know, if you were if if you couldn't remember the name or you weren't sure, just there's nothing wrong with their nationality. You know, I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, so yes, you know, you've you've got to be. So what do you do in a hundred meters? So there's a there's a there's a. Uh, again, this was a tip from Coleman. The, uh, at the start, yeah. So what are you looking for? What are you looking for at the start? You know, how do you, how do you get your brain? So it's a bit like the athlete, you know, it's on your marks mm. set. So I like, to, I like to shut up and be poised if you like. And almost, but almost actually just to take you a, a, a bit of a step before that, there'll be yeah. a moment sometimes when, when you're being handed to for that, that crown jewel moment, that event. Yes. And, and so actually it's from the athletes being presented to the crowd and that sort of thing. So actually to, would you, 
in the same way that I would on a rugby match. I'd have a couple of lines written in just to sort of ease me into that moment. I, I think, I mean, I saw something that I think you'd, you'd said a number of years ago where you where you said, you know, don't write anything. You know, I might write, I might look at the stats, but but don't write too much. And I know that a lot of us in other sports like that being the settler mm. and, a, and a couple of sentences to set the scene and where we're at and what's about to happen and then away we go. Is, is that something that you will do for an event like that? I like to, to some extent, <laughs> yeah. So we normally get eight seconds of intro on each athlete on a lane by lane, if we're doing lane by lane. Right. Uh, it used to be 10, sort of eight now. Um, you can't say a lot in eight seconds. So, so yes, I mean, I've got, I've got a stat sheet uh, for each race, um, you know, if I need it. And because you've already prepped it, I've probably got a line or two in my head. I don't think I ever really write a line on each person because you can either... So if it's someone who's not that well-known, for instance, they're in lane one, that's mm. when you can kind of go, um, French champion, you know, he's, 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 he ran a personal best in the semifinals to make it into the final, you know, his first ever world championship final. I don't yeah. sort of need to have that written down, but you yeah. get into the middle lanes and you're going to go, well, there he is, Usain Bolt, you know, he looks relaxed. You know, that to me is more about what am I seeing in front of me? Even mm-hmm. in those, but you're right, it is me. So what that does is it gives me the geography of the race, the eight lanes, who's in one, who's in two, who's in three, who's in four, who's in five, who's in six. Mm. He's, he's wearing this, he's wearing that. You know, when, championships are great because all wearing the national colours. Diamond League. It's as much for you as it is the audience. It's as point. much for us. Diamond League, sometimes a bit more tricky. So, but it is, it's just making sure, particularly things like hurdles, like who's in lane four and who's in lane five, who's in lane six. Right. <laughs> and Coleman's tip was, so then you get this pause and this is all about camera angles as well. We've usually had a few close-ups, close-ups going into the blocks, whatever. And then just before the race, they'll come out to a wide shot. And that's often where I'll, just to give me, I'll just go, right, the men's 100-meter final. Yeah. Pause. So the gun goes, and Coleman used to always go, don't forget, Crammy, there's always someone gets a good start or a bad start. I went, right? He goes, so pick who that is. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, so this was a trick of, it's not a trick. I don't use it all the time, but it can be gone. So let's say in lane three, Jimmy Vico of France is in lane three. All right. And when I mm. know that a lot of the time Jimmy gets a good start, right? You might have Colin Jackson and you know mm. that nine times out of 10, Colin gets a good start. So for my commentary to give me the two seconds to see what's actually happening, mm. although I haven't written it down anything, you might go good start from Colin Jackson or yeah. Bad start from Colin Jackson, you know, poor start. Now, I wouldn't say you use that all the time, but I'll promise you, most athletic commentators, if you watch a 100 metres, a 60 metre race, whatever, they're going to they're gonna give themselves a line or two, usually which is about the start. And the amount of times you'd be surprised, I've had athletes come up to me later, was, you said I had a good start, I had a crap start. I was, I wasn't really looking. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, um, well, because but, then once you've done it, once you've got a half, one one, and a half once, two seconds once in. they're 10 yards into it, you can actually see yeah. who's had a good start and who's had a bad start or whatever. So because yeah. actually your eyes, it's really hard to watch eight people simultaneously rise. It's easy in slow-mo, but yeah. so, so there's a technique to that. And then you go with a race and then, you know, and you're right. You're, you, you've got to be careful not to gabble in a hundred or a 60 meter race. You know, you know, sometimes there's nothing wrong with saying Usain Bolt's name. It's almost the Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. You know, you kind of, mm. um, there's, there's, if, if you haven't got time to, because what you don't want to do is be trying to say too much in the race and then you get the finish line and you haven't caught up. 
so yeah, sprint races are, are tricky in that sense. Um, so each race has some, I, I guess, its own geography and therefore its own language. And what I mean by that is, you know, in, in the hurdles, we'll talk about stride patterns. We'll talk about, you know, stuttering. We'll talk about, you know, there, there's a vocabulary which I'll use in that race, which I'm not going to use mm. in, in. There's a vocabulary in the 400. I'm not going to use in the 100. There's definitely mm. a vocabulary in the 5,000 that you know, I'm not going to use in the 1500. So you, you kind of bring all these tools in your head and you're right. The race follows your commentary kind of follows the pacing of a 1500 meter race, the pacing of a 10,000 meter race, the pacing of a marathon. Um, mm. And yes, in the 10,000 meter race, we might pop off to do a bit of discus and a bit of this and a bit of that, which actually mm. gives me the chance just to right check the lap times. I, th- I think I said, you know, because I'm, you know, this is all important, you know, relevant information. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. How, I, how often would you? Um, I'm asking now, out of just a, a moment of not really thinking properly, but off the top of my head, how often would you be doing something like a ten thousand where you're leading on that? Would you then have to be a commentator on another field yeah. event yourself? Yeah, in the diamond leagues when there's just Tim and I. That yeah, we do we do that yeah. all the time. Yeah, or if so for the, the Beeb occasionally we'll do we'll take a meet like that. I mean, normally. Um, and you're relying on a director or a producer at that stage to go. Okay, so here's you this, are, this which is the defending when champion in the discus, and it's his second effort. Or you are relying on that, but it doesn't always happen. In fact, on the yeah. Diamond League, it, it it often doesn't happen. So that's producing the world feed. People who are listening to this will understand yes. that. And often yeah. the host broadcaster sort of ignores the world feed. Um, and so, for instance, if the BBC are putting it out live on BBC One. Um, and I've begged them to make sure we put good people on the world feed because I know the job that those commentators have. <laughs> so you yeah, know, when we're when we're going back to the studio for Gabby and the guys, mm. the competition is still going on to, on the world feed. They're not seeing that. So some somebody somebody is going to them. Yeah, it's the third round of the discus. It's X and it's Y. You will yeah. you will. That's why we need to be in the stadium because most of the time, a lot of the time, we have people working on athletics. Uh, who not don't necessarily it's a tough sport to direct to edit mm. um and if you haven't got good experience people that can get themselves in a right mess um so when to go live to a field event and when to put in recorded field is so important so when mm. when tim and i are at an event we're commentating all the track um and the two of us will work on every race one's leading one's co-commentating um you're doing results you're doing whatever you're also watching the discus uh, happening there because you heard a bit of a roar just before that hundred meter went. What the hell was that about? You know, and the long jump on the back straight, and then the pole vaults up at the top bend. You've mm. got to be across all of that. You've got your CIS. It is you know you come off air of a diamond league, two hour diamond league, with your head just going wow wow. You know, and if if you yeah. if you're not getting good cue um, around what's coming, and you know, and again, these are just tricks that you learn. You know, you. Uh, Christian Taylor pops up on my screen, you know, and I haven't heard anything. And I go, it's obviously Christian Taylor. It's a triple jump. I look down, there's no Christian Taylor down there. So that tells me straight away it's off this take. This is a replay. It, it's off take. Um, and then, look, I haven't seen Christian for half an hour. All right. Uh, the competition's in round three, but in round two, he jumped 1784. <laughs> this, this could be that jump. All right, but it might yeah. not be because, funny enough, yeah, you that the, the the trouble is you start to go. This will be that jump because a clever editor oh, will catch up, yeah. and then he goes running down the runway, and it's a no jump. And you go, oh, this was actually is you know. So yeah, you yeah. You, you just 
have to be on your toes. But yeah, yeah, it's good wow. fun. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, we talked a little bit about the scripting. Um, and another side of it is is sort of working with co commentators. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's it's something that there is a there's perhaps a little less of that we hear in, in athletics, I think, because more often than not, by the time you've called the big race, it's going back to a studio maybe for reaction. It, it doesn't seem to be something that, that you hear a whole lot of former athletes alongside you necessarily. Yeah, except in the distance races. So, yeah, I, obviously I worked with Brendan for, for a long time and then more recently with Paula. Um, yeah. And and the great Brendan Foster, who... Uh, who yeah, well, the Bre- the Bren... Bren... Um, you know, and, you know, I've been <laughs> seem to be working with Bren and different guys since I was about 14, but, um, you know, he was an incredibly <laughs> important person in my life, both athletically and broadcasting wise. Um, and in the later years, you know, he had a relationship with Coleman and then we developed our own relationship, which was great and a way of working. And you have to, you have to have a, a, a um, you know, uh, you've got to know each other. Well, you don't want to interrupt. You don't want to, but you want to have some, you want to have a relationship on air. That 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 way of working commentary wise that complements, um, you know, and and so when I'm doing a distance race with 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 certainly with Bren five thousand ten thousand, what I think in Bren's later career he'd done so much broadcasting you could sometimes lapse into, you know, he's first, he's second, he's third, whatever, which was mm. actually he was we work best when you know I'm I'm giving you the geography of the race and whatever. And then Bren's coming in. Oh, he shouldn't be. He needs to move up now. This needs to happen. The pace is a bit slower. But actually, we both do both of those things because we're both athletes. Mm. But it worked really well. And, and we had yeah. a lot of good banter. And then with Paula. Um, My favourite with Brendan Foster was just his fabulous northeast tones, much like your own on, on various names like Bullmerka. Yeah. And, and, and people like that. We used, to get, we used to get in taxis, uh, you know, often going to Crystal Palace or something. We'd be in a car and the driver would go, go on, lads, just say Rosa Mota. <laughs> or um, Wilson Kip Keita, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that was the thing. Kip, where t- I, Kip I, Tanui. Yeah, if I, I, if I commentate with Bren, I inevitably felt my Geordie accent came out a little bit more strongly. But yes, <laughs> Paul is a bit more posh. So, But no, so that that's where those those the co-commentary really is important, particularly things like marathon, 10,000, 5,000. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's important that, that, you, that, that that's a double act. You know, and it's a good. It's, hopefully, it's a good double act that, that works. That mm. you know, you try and, as I said, that you're not both saying the same things. The the danger yeah. sometimes is for Tim and I when we are doing um, things like diamond leagues, and there's so much happening. There's so much happening when you when your co-commentator is talking. You have a tendency to be looking, as I said before, right? What's going on in the discus? What's going on in the javelin? Because you you were talking before, and you were trying, and you're trying to catch up, and you're also trying to listen to him. And I've, the amount of times I've had him go. So what did you think about that, Steve? You know, like he said something, and I'm meant, and or I'll come back. He, yeah, he stopped talking, and I'll stop talking, and he'll go, "I just said that sort of thing." You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but Tim and I have a great relationship as well. You know, we've we've been working together for so many years, so I, I really enjoy that. But and I think you're right, though. That the shorter races, commentators need need their need their. Um, you know, we've got things that we're trying to describe the action and, and you're trying to hopefully inform people as well. Um, and and having a rhythm to that's important. Yeah, so so too many interruptions to that makes it, you know, it's not so easy to get a bit staccato. Um, mm. But we are, as I said, we're, we're, we're making a television programme. 
you know, and the yeah. studio and the studio guests and the commentary and, and the interviews. And it's all part of that program. So you've got to, you've got to accept that. Yes, I love doing Diamond Leagues where there's just me and Tim, no presenters, bang, two hours of athletics. That's, that's a purest <clears throat> form of it. Um, yeah, but it, and it's interesting actually hearing you talk about those and, and clearly how regularly you must work on, on things mm-hmm. like that compared to perhaps how often the public at large are hearing you when it's more likely to be at the bigger Commonwealth yeah, Games or Olympic I mean, or World you, Championships. Yeah, you'd have to be, obviously the Diamond Leagues, uh, BBC have all the highlights to them, So, but you know, you've got to be an athletics fan probably. So if you're watching it live though on Eurosport, have the live rights to it in the UK. Um, you know, we've been doing Diamond League for 10 years now. And yeah, wow. they're up to 14 meets a year, 14, 15 meets a year around the world, you know, Shanghai and mm. Eugene and Rome, around Europe, the whole thing. But it's, and that actually is what helps me when I come A, to do the domestic meets or to do the championships and all the rest of it, because I'm working on it all the time. Because you've seen it, yeah. It's is it, are you always in, are you always in stadium or is yeah. any of it off tube? Okay, occasionally off tube if we've got any problem. It, athletics is so, I did plenty of off tube at Eurosport. Uh, and we have to do off tube occasionally. Um, and these days, the way things are going, that might be more happen more regularly. But athletics, for the reasons I've just said to you, if you're sitting yeah. in an off tube in, in Salford, um, you know, we have to do the European cross country championships. And, you know, uh, as has happened, you know, we, we, you're trying to work out team positions and all the rest of it and who's in seventh place. And if the cameras are only following the guy in the front, mm. Whereas if I'm at the event, they're going to come past yeah. in front of me, and I can you get a and then in an athletic stadium, same thing. There are things happening all around the stadium that you sort of need to be able to see. And the other thing as well, and and this really depends on what people want from commentary. You know, particularly on the Diamond League, we are part of the setup, so we're we're content for the world feed. So we stay in the mm. athletes' hotel. So I'm spending my night, the night before, I'm in the bar not drinking necessarily, but mm. I am talking to X's manager or so-and-so's coach or even the athlete themselves, which is really yeah. going to inform the commentary the next day. You don't get that doing it off tube. You yeah, can, you no, can, certainly. You, know, you can text people, but it's not the same. Um, no, and you, no, you, absolutely. You bump into athletes in the restaurant, you know, they, 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 they were never going to offer this to you, but then you find out they've had a bit of a niggle and, and not, you, you know, it, it's, so actually yeah. being at an event is, is, I think anyway, for athletics is, is really, really important. We, 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 we do do some off tube, but generally speaking, we're there. So that's why I'm never well, home can... in the summer. Yeah, indeed. Well, you could just live and breathe it more, can't you? You pick up you pick up the nuances of, and, and atmospheres around things, which which you can bring across in a way that people, you know, they can't pick up on that when they're just watching TV. So if you've got that extra level from being there, it helps to to bring that to people. Um, I'm conscious of time, Steve, and I could I could you know chat chat forever. Um, I've just got a, a few more, if if I may. Um, there are obviously moments like Super Saturday 2012, particularly for those of us that that remember that from a British point of view. Um, you you can get to being the top of, of of your game as an athlete, and the opportunity to then be on 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 form on a night like that and take the responsibility of bringing that to a nation and an international audience. Do you obviously you know as we've discussed, you can't you can't 
predict how things are going to happen. But obviously knowing certain athletes, knowing certain events are coming up, a run of events on any particular day during a championship, will you, will you wake up that morning and, and have the adrenaline? Will you, will you be nervous? Will you be excited? Will you feel the sense of responsibility that, that the nation are wanting you to, to hit the right moments? Um, I, hopefully I don't feel the last one too much. No, I do get excited. Um, you know, and uh, I think a bit like uh, through my athletics career, the, that uh, at the beginning you get nervous for everything, you know, and then, and then gradually, you know, the nerves, you get control of them and then you get really nervous for the big things. And, and I'm probably like that now, you know, there, 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 mm. are, there are events I really look forward to. Um, and you're right at the Olympics, there are certain things and that's why it's important to know a little bit in advance as we do now. You know, I, I, I get the, the opportunity to say, you know, I want to do that race and I want to do it. And we share it around, but, you know, I, I can kind of go, I really would like to do that. Um, yeah. And I get excited about that. You know, I think, I think, and it isn't just about your British people winning medals. Super Saturday was very much about that. We were in London for goodness sake. But sometimes, you know, one of the lines that Coleman said to me um, towards... In fact, I think he was already retired. I think it was at a lunch somewhere that I was having with him and Bren. Yeah, it was. And I was being pushed into presenting um, quite a bit. Uh, and that yep. was seen as something I should... The presenting somehow is the... That's that's what you really want to do. You know, it's okay being a commentator, <laughs> but presenting is where it's really at. And Yeah, you can keep me behind a microphone, but yeah, carry on. Yeah. And, you know, so... And I was doing a fair bit and I was enjoying aspects of it and come back to what you were saying. I was getting nervous for the wrong reasons then. That that then right. is about, you know, and I realized it was very different. I was talking to Coleman about it and I said, they were wanting me and I, um, the, Roger had just, Roger Black had just left and uh, that we'd experimented with me presenting the program, opening the program on air. Da, 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 here we are at, you know, Gated Stadium, da, 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 da. Uh, here's my guest to uh, set it all up jump and then I ran into the commentary box and did two three races and then came back down and did a bit more presenting run and at the end of it I thought I'm doing both jobs crap here you know right, I, yeah. I, I'm doing both and I'm nervous for the wrong reasons and everything and I was telling Coleman this and he said right he says just remember this and I'm, this is not to and he's probably not 100% right but he sort of is and it's not to knock anyone or he said Crammy goes, just remember, if, you've, if you need to choose between one and the other and ego isn't part of what you're about, which I don't think it is, he said, nobody ever replays a great piece of presenting. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and he challenged me. He said, go on, you show me how often they, they show you. He goes, when you do a great piece of commentary, it's, it's linked to a great piece of sport, which will get replayed over and over. And actually, sometimes even if your commentary isn't great, it's the context of it that mm. that and he, he his but his point was that's the real that's happening that's that's the and you come to your thing about getting excited and get, get nervous so super saturday will live with people forever for their whole lives as a memory yeah. it lives for me as a memory but i also know that that when people replay super saturday in a small way, we're only the wallpaper of the back, you know, the backdrop of, but, but it, but you but are a part, of, are that part of that. And I, I'm always internally grateful to Coleman because you're for that sort of line, because I mean, there have been some great bits of presenting that occasionally pop up, but, but if you know what I mean, but the yeah. thing that people will Not remember, bloopers, to be fair, but they are, <laughs> the, you know, the thing that, that the athletes remember, you know, that, 
the public will remember is is those those incredible moments that sport gives you, and and you want to be part of that. You know, mm. you want to be part of that when as it happens, yeah. when it happens, right or wrong, whether you do great commentary or, or not so good commentary, or you know, it doesn't matter. It, you are you are part of it while it while it happens, and and it, it really helped me from that point forward to kind of go. That's what I do. I'm happy to do the odd bit of presenting when it, it you know, if it, if it crops up, whatever. But this is yeah. what I want to do, and this is what I like doing. Yeah, and and talking of if things don't quite go as as one planned, how do you cope with that? Do you still have moments now where you will put the mic down and think that wasn't the greatest, you know, oh, today, yeah. or I'm I'm yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not happy with that. And, yeah, loads and, and if you make if you make a mistake during a particular commentary, how do how do you deal with it? How does it make you feel? Can Forget you it. can you move past it? Forget it. I, th- I think having had a career as a sports person, you learn how to deal with you. You have to always move on. You learn, you know, if you can. I mean, if it's just I got a fact wrong, um, and, and that 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 actually is the thing that knocks me more than anything else. Um, and that's not necessarily because I didn't know it. I'll just either miss say it or. You know, I'm getting old as well. Um, we have a lot. Of, <laughs> we have a lot of statistics in athletics. Personal best, yeah. season's best. You know, the, the competition, what you're doing. It's numbers, 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 and 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 it, yeah. and it can. You know, you make the odd mistake. Of course, you do. Is yeah. are you sitting at home going to realize? Probably not, unless I tell you. But but I know that somewhere somebody's coach or athlete has gone. Can't believe you said that. You know. So. Yeah. I try to be factually correct, and if I'm wrong, I get a little bit annoyed for a bit, and then I realize that's part of it. If I if I do something which if I just perform badly, again mm. I will um, I I want to make sure that doesn't happen again. So if there's something that I that I did wrong, I'll make sure that you know. But I I don't let it bother me. You know I don't I don't let it. Um, it happens. I've been, I've certainly been doing it for too long. But remember going back to that early Eurosport story I was telling you, you know, you, yeah. you, you have to learn. And I think that's why sports career helps you so much with this. And come back to the guy who said, oh, telling you every time you're brilliant. You're not brilliant all the time. If you're ever brilliant, that you're lucky. But you, you've, you've just got to um, be able to accept that, that, when you make a mistake, it's probably reasonably high profile. I.e., people are, you know, there's could be millions of people hearing you say something wrong. It's less to do with that. It's more that I haven't performed at a level at which I'd be happy with, and that's the athlete in me. So <clears throat> that's when I want to kind of go, no, come on. It could be, you know, for instance, you're talking about Bob, Bob Ballard. You know, um, am I, you know, am I, am, I, uh, am I getting enough sleep? Or was I too tired? As I, you know, the, you know, there's the, have I, did I not, I didn't prep that race properly. I just turned up and, you know, there's, so every now and then you yeah. give yourself a little kick up the backside. So come on. Little wake up that you've been a bit casual. Yeah. 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 That's good. Um, who've been the sporting voices that you've rated over the years and, and who out there do you think now is doing good work? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? Um, I mean, I, I, I was, I guess, the, the the thing was back then there was so much uh, live sport there seemed to be but with two three channels so you know people like Bill McLaren and Murray Walker and and obviously Coleman um, were were a, you know uh, Peter O'Sullivan in horse racing yeah. you know they, these guys were on your screens every Saturday and during the week you know uh, mm. or seemed as though they were um, and. So they 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 were 
And I think you 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 absorb some of that without. I mean, there's definitely some things of, of Coleman that I've absorbed because I heard mm. him commentate a lot. Um, there's a guy a, a guy in athletics who I really respected called uh, Bruce McIverney, who's an Australian. Um, and Bruce, um, if he was sitting here with me now, he'd know more about my career than he's, he's a bit older these days. But people like it, Bruce taught me that. Um, uh, you know, a bit like uh, any performer, the more preparation you've done, the easier it is to be yourself. You talked about that, didn't you? If you're spending yep. too much of your time thinking, oh, what was it? What was it? You know, like you, you're not, you know, so, and, and that's the problem with athletics. So, so I'm working on athletics all the time. So it, I've got quite good short term memory. Um, good. And I can absorb information and, and kind of have it there for when I need it. A week later, I might have forgotten it, but but you know, for when I need it. So that when you go on air, and Bruce was, he sort of taught me that as well. And and, and then there are others um, who I think, you're saying, who do I, it's really hard these days to say who. Um, I mean, well, it's the nature of the, the fragmented landscape, isn't it? I was just going to say, there must be a hundred football commentators I listen to. You feel as though there are, aren't there? There's lots. Um I think, yeah, you know, uh, people like John Hunt in, in, in uh, I, you know, I enjoy watching um, uh, horse racing. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, there are aspects of, um, um, I, I'm a, I, I love watching cricket and sadly a lot of the, the, the sort of cricket folks are, are, are starting to, I mean, I've gone back to the great names, people like Richie Benno and what have you. But yeah. I think there are lots of people who've, um, I listen to a fair bit of radio, uh, sport on the radio as well, I guess. So, you know, you're sort of often driving, traveling a fair bit. Um, mm. One of them from near up your way is John Murray, who yeah, uh, we've and, spoken to. You know, and you know, the, I, I think I'd love to do a little bit more radio. It's a different type of commentary. You're talking about Mike Costello well, you... doing, doing athletics commentary. You know, athletics on the radio is not easy. Um, I've, done, no. I've done a little bit of it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a bit difficult to I, names will come to mind after I've finished this. Uh, That's and all right. Kind of go, oh, well, it should have been X and Y, but yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, yeah, the, the, some of the names you mentioned are, are great, um, and you've almost prefaced my my penultimate question. Um, what might you have liked to have the chance to commentate on that uh, that you've not had the chance to? Ah, uh, I I still I still hanker a little bit to do football commentary. Uh, do you? I nearly did. I was. I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but after 2012, I was. I was asked to shift away. Oh um, wow! Um, and I said no. Wow. What made you say no then? Um, just my life, my lifestyle. You know, athletics has a has a has a fairly a structure to it, and and I understand yeah. that. Um, and uh, the idea of doing uh, lots and lots of football matches. Uh, I love my football, and I, I, you know, mm. if I'm a hero, would it have would it have had to have been an, an all or nothing in terms of um, and athletics? I, yeah. Or do you think it's your? Do you, it was would your headspace have needed it too in terms of making that decision? It, it would have been difficult to do, but to do both, I think. But um, mm. so yeah, football is a because uh, Alison gets very annoyed at me. I'll, I'll come. I sit at home watching things, and she'll say, "Will you shut up?" Yeah. yeah. Cause, <laughs> I find myself kind of, you know, almost commentating uh, things. Um, so, yeah, I would have loved... I mean, the, the only other sport I do a lot of commentary on is curling, of course, which is so different. 
Um, well, yeah, I'm conscious that we haven't touched on that, which yeah, you've I done know. for the Winter Olympics. No, no. And, uh, and I, lo- yeah. I love the curling, you know, three hours uh, where you just sit, which I liken a little bit to sort of test match special, you know. There's, Is it three hours? A, a game can last, yeah, that's what we get a slot. They, they'll normally last somewhere between two and three. It can go as long as three hours if you have an extra end or a couple of extra ends. Gosh. Uh, it can be all over. The thing about curling can be all over an hour and a half. You can get five ends and... and Maybe six hours. I hope you're not often. being paid per match then. Uh, I wish I had at the Olympics. God, we did. <laughs> Do you know how many matches? I did 34 matches these Olympics. We Anyway, I won't bore you with it. Because wow. we had mixed curling and then we have the round robins and then we have the, the quarterfinal, semifinal. Uh, so I was three sessions a day. Morning match. Just to touch on this, while, while we're talking about it then, how how quickly does it allow you to... Because I'm guessing at some point someone said, do you fancy having a go at? Yes, that's what and, happened. And, <laughs> And then, and then you go sure, and I mean maybe it hasn't even happened, and you're just you know able able to apply your skills to it. But how long does it take to sort of uh, dedicate the homework and and commentary ability in one sense to to it to it then actually becoming something that you feel you know and and like and enjoy? Yeah, I mean I I didn't pick an easy. And that one may not to have happened. That. I appreciate. No, I know. So let's say I turned up to do a football match tomorrow without any prep. I you know I'd know the. I'd, I'd have the language, I'd have the vocabulary, I'd have, I'd yeah. know what was going on. You know, I, I've, mm. I've watched enough football over there. So I wouldn't feel, when I first started with curling, I was so, uh, the, the only reason I said yes was because I'd been presenting from the curling at the, with a little bit 2002 and at the 2006, because we had a chance for a medal, it was one of our presenting, our afternoon presenting position came from the curling and I was the presenter. But of course, the rest of the day, when I wasn't actually on, on screen and we were off skiing or whatever, I'm watching mm. the curling and I'm sitting mm. with Doogie Donnelly and Kirsty Hay. And, and, and so I was listening and watching. And, and, and so I had a little bit of, and then in 2010, about two months before the Olympics, I got that call that said, we're going to be presenting from the curling as well again. Great. Um, but we need a new commentator because uh, okay. Doogie Donnelly was going. Uh, and I went, no, no, no. So, I went, yeah, well, who's that going to be? And they said, well, we thought you could do both. I said, what? Anyway, yeah. um, so I did two things. I said, right, can I have Rona? Rona Martin was a gold medalist in 2002. And I'd got to meet Rona. I said, I need a co-commentator who, you know. Knows her stuff. So what do you do then? You you have to be really careful. So going back, I, I borrowed a little bit from myself. Remember I said I don't know anything about the pole vault. I know more than you, probably. Yeah. And I know a lot yeah. more now than I did, than I used to. But actually, it's not. So what you do is you learn to kind of go, what 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 do I need to know to that I can at least broadcast something here? And I'm not going to try and be clever. Mm. Curling is like chess come, yeah, it, it, they're thinking four, five shots ahead, yeah? yeah? There are nuances on the ice. There's so much technical stuff, which, which we don't see. People think brushing is funny, you know? No, there's... there's so much there and they terminology each shot has a word has a you know and you've got to watch yeah. for the outturn you go watch for the intern you go you try you know they're timing to a thousandth of a second the speed that they could and you until you get into this and but again that's what fascinated me you know that that i found yeah. it it's a great television sport it's why people tune into it winter olympics it's a square it's, yeah. it's, it's like I, I remember that 2006 <clears throat> yeah. one it's like snooker you know it's like it's all the, so and 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 it's in its basic form, it looks straightforward to understand, isn't it? Gets close as you can. Who's got the more ones closest? 
but the intricacies. So I had to learn with commentary on that not to, and I'm much more confident. And the hallelujah moment um, <laughs> last, uh, the last games in, in, when we're in South Korea, and Jackie Lockhart's my commentator now. And again, good double act. And Jackie and I worked last two Olympics and she's brilliant. And I contradicted her on a, sh- on a shot that I was like, you know, what are they going to do here? And she said, well, I think they're going to play an out turn, come through here. You know, and I went, why wouldn't they do X and X and X? You know? And she, yeah. looked, she looked at me, you know, and she went. As if to say, oi. It, and she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And guess what? They played the shot, which I suggested. And I was like, <laughs> yes, I've arrived. You I've know, got it. After three Olympics of commentating, I feel it's, it's, it's more having the confidence to say it on air. You Good know. on you. But yes, I think. Look, all commentary. Could we? Could I commentate my cats having a fight outside? Yes, you know. Um, could could I could I commentate a sport I don't know anything about? Yes, if it involved. Here's the names of the people taking part. Here's what it is. He won. You know, she came second. Whatever it was. Could mm. I give you that 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 in depth? No. And yeah. this was going back to the Eurosport days. Um, and I, 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 we'll get to the end of this, but it's often good to go back to the beginning. I was warned to not hang around in the commentators often too long. So if we were doing it off tube, there was a big office at uh, TF1, and in, 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 which was Eurosport's European headquarters, uh, French television. And you'd be sitting in there prepping your athletics. You're going on air at five o'clock. You've got there, you're doing all your stuff and you're waiting to go in a booth. And at 3.30, somebody comes running in the office Right, and goes, any English commentators? Any English commentators? <laughs> and I used to put my hand up, and he go, right, tractor pulling. You're the guy hasn't turned up. Can you come in and do the tractor pulling, <laughs> or something like that? <laughs> yeah. And it happened to me once, and I never ever did it again. So, <laughs> because yes, you can commentate it, but you're just going to end up. And to give you an example, uh, I remember once one poor lad who had to, did step in at Eurosport because they lost the line to us at the live event. Uh, we could hear, and we could still hear this, um, them back in Paris, and he got pulled in from the, and we sent our notes uh, on a fax. Okay. And, of course, number 473 in the 1500 metres, um, it was uh, James Kipkeeta or something, pacemaker. Yeah. And he spent a good 45 seconds talking about the fact that this Kenyan runner was fitted with a pacemaker in his heart and wasn't <gasps> great. That was, well, you know, you, if you've oh, never, if you've never brilliant, I know. So yes, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I think what else would I like to do? I wouldn't now take on anything else until I was fairly confident I could do something other than just read the names out. And um, yeah. Yeah. But, but football, football would, football would be would one of those. Be I mean, we do, write do, it there. Just before the very last one, I mean, you, you, you sort of, you say it there so passively in a way that, that it made me sort of feel like I just, I needed to tap into it. And it almost could have been one of the earlier questions. But the fact that you say, if it was my cats fighting outside, I could commentate on that. And if mm. it was that, I could commentate on that. You know, you, your life was as a, as, was as a middle distance runner and, and, and that side of it. And then you needed a career afterwards. Like there's, there's something within you that, that is very comfortable commentating. Where does, where does that come from, do you think? Don't know, because I, I wasn't, um, you know, as a kid, I was fairly shy, I think is the right word. Um, 
I mean, yeah, everyone around me these days will tell you, probably as this interview is shown, I don't mind talking, but 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 I'm also quite quiet. You know, I, I, if I'm yeah. passionate about something, you'll you, you get me going. And the other things, I'll just not engage in the conversation if it's not something, you know, just for the sake of it. Um, yeah. I think what happened was, um, you know, you, you, you and, and I'll, I'll be ever thankful. You know, athletics, being a successful athlete gives you a platform to... Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it gives you a confidence in yourself um, that your opinions are, are okay to voice them, that it's, uh, you know, so you, 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 your self-esteem obviously is helped by being, having a successful career, but you become, I, I don't mind kind of telling people what I think, if you know what I mean. And actually mm. for, uh, there was a period in the mid nineties, which was sort of concurrent with the commentary, which I think helped as well. Uh, as I started to wind down my career, I started to do a lot of corporate work. Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in things like motivation. And, and I hadn't been in my career. And I started reading things and realizing, because I was thinking, well, why, why was I good? You know, I was actually curious as to, because you know, everyone just kept, Brendan, you say, oh, you're just super talented. And I thought, that's a bit, you know, I actually worked really hard at what I did. And it was, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so I read a fair bit. And then I found myself really enjoying talking to, business people uh, either in a presenting you know kind of talking to them but then particularly q and a and i mm. and i think those two things together um were, were the next steps after 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 uh, competing happened at the same time and both helped each other you know the both, yeah. the both helped no, well each that other. makes sense yeah. yeah, very good. Um, it's been brilliant, Steve. One uh, one last question for you. Um, as uh, as people are used to by now, uh, the day comes as and when it will be. Hopefully, a long way to go yet. Where uh, where you're calling your last event? Uh, it may be a, a one off race. It could be um, you're allowed to pick, you know, a, a two week event um, or a weekend, whatever it might be. What would be uh, what would be your if you could choose it? Uh, uh, the the sort of swan song event you'd like to go out on. Oh gosh, I mean, I think I, you know, I, I inevitably start to think about those sort of things at this point. I turned sixty later this year, and and I love commentating. And if things continue the way they they sort of are, the environment we're in, and things would I, I don't mean coronavirus. I mean you know, we we still get the sport on television, BBC, and athletics mm-hmm. is still popular. But there's going to come a point where I you know I will not enjoy it, and if I think that's the key now, whether or not mm-hmm. I suddenly decide that two weeks before or a week before or a year before with athletics, I woke up one day. That's why I never had a retirement race. I literally woke up one day in the mid, in the winter of 94, 95 and said, I'm not doing this. And you know, too many injuries and whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that happens with commentary. Interesting. That I suddenly go, nah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. And it will not be because I don't like athletics, not be because it'll be because the, the process has become something I don't enjoy anymore. Because as you yeah. can tell, I probably always will like talking about athletics. Um, and if I get to that point, that, that will be, um, that, that would really accelerate that decision. So, yeah. but yes, probably more likely is that, um, I think it'd probably be two stages and I have to hesitate to say this. So for instance, you know, I have no idea where the BBC and its future is going. It may well be that we don't have the rights to the Olympics after 2024. For instance. This is a fantasy question anyway, Steve. It's a I fantasy mean, this can, question. This, yeah. this, 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 can, this can be what, what you would choose. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I mean, inevitably you'd kind of, I'd probably choose um, 
two things because it the, 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 we have two worlds. You're allowed don't to. We? No, we have two worlds. So a summer where you know I, I finished at the Olympic Games. Um, okay. Yeah. And and three weeks later, I was at the Great North Run, and that was my last piece of commentary. Nice. So it's got that local <clears throat> element to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, well, I think, you know, at one stage early in our conversation, you said you'd still like to go and, and find whoever it was at Eurosport that decided halfway through that ad break to, to cross to you early. It, it sounded almost like, you know, they might be in for a beating or a telling off. But I think uh, I think probably um, for all of the rest of our benefit, you should be buying them a beer yeah, because maybe. whatever... Whatever, whatever they uh, they taught you via those uh, those those several lessons you you uh, you got in five minutes of of early broadcasting um, was enough to to intrigue you to get it right and also as you said to to work pretty hard at, at doing it. It's uh, it is brilliant that that you are as synonymous with as you know more sporting events beyond the ones that you earn medals for um, through your commentary. Um, and uh, yeah, you're almost going to rival Miles Harrison for our longest cue commentator ever, which uh, has been. <laughs> An absolute joy. Um, I'm so pleased we were able to, to make the time. Um, Steve Cram, continue doing what you do. And thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. I'm only hoping that, like me listening back to that earlier, uh, that time has absolutely flown by for you listening as well. Um, I think my favourite bit of that was the lovely line Steve tells us about David Coleman talking about no one ever replaying great bits of presenting. <laughs> How wonderful. Um, my deepest thanks to Steve Cram and to Alison, uh, Alison Kerbishley as well, for helping me line that up. Uh, lovely people and another memorable episode. I'm sure you'll agree. Um, I hope you did enjoy it. Uh, please do leave that review on iTunes uh, if you can it does mean an awful lot to me um, and if you're on Twitter we'll do share your highlights and what resonated with you at Q Commentator or at Nick Heath Sport um, I'll be back with the next episode very soon but for now take care thanks for listening and bye for now deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.